of the living geek. Moshimosh, welcome to episode 19 of Super Sugoi Cast. I'm Alex. And I'm Justin. We're going to get back into watching Haikyuu. We watched episodes 7 through 12 out of 25 total. You can watch the series on Hulu and Crunchyroll. We left off last time with Hinata and Kageyama making their high school team, and they started a practice match against another high-ranking school. They barely scraped by, and we start to see that their quick attack isn't going to be enough to save them. It was kind of a fun practice match because Kageyama got to face off some of his against some of his junior high team. And with that, like, you know there's high tensions because he's known as King of the Court, which isn't a good nickname. Right. And they so... left on not good terms. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So after their match, he actually goes to apologize to one of his teammates, but they don't allow it to happen. They want to keep that tension there, that rivalry between themselves for future matches. But I thought it was nice to see that he's trying to be more human, I I agree. I I didn't think about it that way either, though. Because, yeah, if they start feeling compassion, they may not play as well against him. Exactly. You know, they want to keep that rivalry, that tension, because he understands that he's trying to show respect now, and he's trying to make up for what he did in the past. But I wouldn't want that sorry either. I'd be like, you know what? keep that. I have this tension against you now. Keep your saris in a sack. Exactly. You know, so I I can see where the, the guy's coming from, but I still like the fact that Kageyama, probably because of Hinata, is starting to be more human-like instead yeah. of being this volleyball robot. You can definitely see that the team isn't whole yet. How many players are supposed to be on a volleyball team? Do you know? I think six on the court at all times. Okay. I think it's six. So we've met Technically, we've met six people, but we haven't met all, like, the main team. Okay. Well, we just got one of them back because he was suspended, so that's another player. Yes. And he's actually really good at doing saves, I guess, or receiving the ball in bad situations, I guess you could say. any situation, yeah. His name's Nishinoya. Yes. And it made me think of this restaurant back in San Jose. That was called Yoshinoya Beef Bowl. Beef Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Every time they say his name. Yeah, I see his name and I see like a flashing like orange sign with white lettering. Not gonna yeah, lie. exactly. And it took me until you said that to realize that that's what I remember it from. <laughs> For some reason, I always thought it was ramen. Oh, no. But yeah. A Beef Bowl makes more sense, I guess. I missed that place. Um, I think he's kind of a fun character to kind of come back in. He's very adamant, I guess you could say. Yeah. He, he's in very, your face. Yeah. But he's lively. Yeah, lively. There we go. He's a lively. But a uh, fun note that you have here is that he's actually shorter than Hinata. And Hinata was like, what? I think he aspires to be like him because he's similar heights. And he's also very good. Very good. He's very good at what he does. And Hinata's like, well, crap. Well, if you can do it, then there's no reason why I can't do it. Exactly. you're even smaller than I am. Yeah. You know? The captain of the volleyball team, Sadamura, like mentioned that when this guy does come back that Hinata should call him senpai in an attempt to try to convince him to stay with the team. It, it hopefully motivates him to be there to teach him how to receive better. The whole reason why he's trying to get him to stay is because Nishinoya doesn't want to stay if they can't get their ace back. Yes. And I didn't even know that they didn't have an ace. I didn't know volleyball had an ace. Mm. So I figured that would have been the captain, mm-hmm. who's Sawamura. Yes. But it's not. It's apparently this other guy named Asahi 
So, of course, Hinata and Kageyama try to get him to come back, because they're mm-hmm. like, we need you for the team. Obviously, you're the ace. We need you to get this other guy to stay and, you know, come teach us and make us good at volleyball again. Mm-hmm. I think Hinata especially wants this guy to come back, too, because he wants to be the ace. Exactly. So he wants to see how he works, and he wants to see what he has as competition, I guess you could say. Yeah. You're looking at it and going, well, now there's two people that Hinata wants to look up to. He has Nishinoya, who is really good at receives, which he's terrible at. And then he's also trying to aspire to be the ace of the team. So he's looking up to Asahi as well. They're both hopefully going to come back. And become a awesome team again. Yes. Hopefully fill in the void that they're missing. Also in the void, they don't have a coach. They have a club advisor, but he doesn't know much about volleyball. Mm-hmm. So, And he knows this. So he's trying to get the grandson of their legendary coach, Ukai, to come back and be the coach for this team. Yes. Because he's like, well, you know, you're the grandkid of our legendary coach. You can do it. You can bring these guys to where they need to be. And he also played volleyball and still plays volleyball on a neighborhood association team. So he sets up a match against the association, the neighborhood association team, Mm -hmm. to see how they are. And then maybe he'll coach the team for this big rivalry practice match that they have in -hmm. the works. Exactly. The club advisor is basically hoping that he can entice the grandson of Coach Ukai to come coach the team, not only through having this rivalry match against Nekoma's team, but also because he's going to be able to see Hinata and Kageyama work as a pair. Right. And having that, like... Be inspired by that. Exactly. After seeing this practice match... Ukai says that he will take the coaching position, at least until they get through this rival game, to show them that they are still worthy of being rivals. Yes, and that's kind of awesome because I really like him as a character. Makes a lot of fun faces. Yeah, the coach. So since they're now a new team, or a real team, they get jerseys, and this is actually Hinata's first real jersey, Mm -hmm. and he gets the same number as his idol, the little giant, which is number 10. Which is who he saw when he was back in junior high mm-hmm. on the TV screen at Nationals. And he wanted to play volleyball because, because of him. him. Yep. So it's exactly. pretty awesome. But you know, it's funny because he didn't realize it at first. He thought, man, I'm a higher number than Kageyama who got yeah. number nine. So Kageyama's better. Yeah. But And then all of a sudden someone points out, he's like, well, you also got your idol's number. And he's like, oh, and his whole entire mindset changes. Yeah. He like freaked out a little bit. Just, just a little, but it's fun. So they set up this first practice match against the oldest rivals, which is the Mm -hmm. Nekoma High School, and they had this big old thing back in the day when they called it the Battle of the Garbage Dump. Yes, the Battle of the Garbage Dump. And it's because Nekoma, they're associated with cats, Mm -hmm. and Karasuno is associated with crows, and so they're like, well, cats and crows are always out by the garbage in the alleyways and stuff, so they're like, yeah, this will be this big Battle of the Garbage Dump. And I don't know why it was so highlighted that it was called the Garbage yeah, Dump. Yeah, they like, keep talking it, about it like it's this big amazing thing, but mean, it's like... To um, me, when I first heard that, I thought of it more like a... Like a scrap, you a, know? Yeah, but I like the battle of two crappy teams. Yeah. Because they belong in the dumps exactly. type thing. But right. we, we, at the point when this rivalry was happening, they were both actually really good teams. <laughs> so it was kind of like, what the heck? Yeah. Why? But they were just trying to find them like a, a good a fun setting, thing. I guess. Yeah. But it didn't... Yeah, for us, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but... but for everybody else on the show it does yeah it makes sense you know so, whatever yeah it just doesn't sound prestigious i guess yeah and like we were mentioning before in one of the previous matches the other team kind of learned 
the quick attack really fast and how to defend against it. Mm -hmm. And the same issue arises here in this practice match. Yeah, Nekoma ended up seeing through it really fast, and they figured out a way to build up their defenses, and they could not get anything through these defenses. Mm -hmm. So Hinata starts getting really discouraged because he's like, I can't do anything, Mm -hmm. you know? And Kageyama actually stepped up and really inspired him and pushed him to be a better player and this isn't the first time that he's done that no and i'm really liking that about kagayama yes and you know it's like we were saying like hinata brings out the human side of kagayama and kagayama brings out the fiery spirit hinata and wanted to teach him how to play volleyball and become better so like they really mesh because of those things right and I think it's only because Hinata is that way and he inspires to be the ace of the team that he can take the more harsher words from Kageyama. Exactly. Because he's very blunt. He is, but I, I really like that about him. Yeah. I, I kind of, I guess I connect with that. Straight to the point <laughs> I, type I feel talking. like if I was on the team, I would be more like him. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't necessarily a good thing, but... It's not a know, bad thing. It's not being, the worst thing, I guess. <laughs> no, I think some people just need to learn to be able to take a blunt message. But anyway... I think they pair really well, and that kind of seems to be the way to, to do it in Shonen Jump mangas. There's always a duo, one really high, happy kind of guy, and one that's more quiet but strong. Yeah, very serious. Exactly. They're, they're opposites of each other, basically. But they always bond, like yin and yang. They end up being in this practice match, and things are getting really rough, and they're getting desperate, and the episode ends on this cliffhanger. Hinata ends up figuring out a way to get through the defense, with this really cool move that we see at the very last second and it scores and we kind of we're like oh my god he did it Mm -hmm. you know and then he realizes that he has to somehow figure out how to hone the skill before the game ends and then the episode ends yeah so it's like oh crap you're like can can he do it it? does he get it yeah Uh, does he know how to aim all of a sudden like what's going on right so i'm excited to see what happens next yeah exactly i definitely would continue to watch this show Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I find that it's fun, and it's not overly Mm -hmm. uh, technical, I guess. You know what I mean? Mm, How to say? I don't know. It's it's another shounen anime that we tend to watch. For whatever reason, we gravitate towards them. We don't find them, but they find us. It's funny. It's awesome. It kind of ties into like high school life. It's neat. I really actually like the commercial breaks. Whenever they go to the commercial breaks, they show them doing like a... A little practice jump, a practice serve, or a practice spike, or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's, I don't know, they're just like, they're just cutesy little things. You've seen them like succeed or fail or whatever. Yeah, that's fun because you get to see their expressions. Yeah, and it's different every time. I do have one negative critique. I guess technically one and a half. The characters, when they're standing on the opposite side of the net, instead of having the net over their face. Oh, yeah. They have their face going through the net, and it, it looked really awkward to me at first before I realized what was happening. Right. And I don't really necessarily care for it, but now that I've like been watching it, it's growing on me. Yeah. But like, I'm still like, eh. It, it makes sense because, you know, if you draw the net, if you're looking... <laughs> it's hard to explain. If you're looking at the scene, and you have a character in front of the net and a character behind the net, and you draw the net over that second character's face... You're blocking the character's face. Yeah, you're blocking you know? some of the characteristics of it. So it's like you can't really see what they're saying or mm-hmm. whatever. So what they do is they erase that spot over the character's face so you can see them. And it is kind of awkward at first because yeah. it's like, oh, wait. Wait, what? Is there a hole? Yeah, you know? what's going on? <laughs> um, and then my one other critique that I really... This one bothers me more so is the fact that they hold multiple conversations at once. 
and so like you'll have text at the top of the screen and text at the bottom of the screen and sometimes it's hard to know which conversation means more so to what you're trying to watch at that point yeah and you lose who's saying what and what part of the conversation see that part doesn't actually bother me but i can see how that would be distracting because it's like they'll have people yelling on the court and mm-hmm. we'll, and they'll have the subtitles for what the people are yelling on the court. Mm-hmm. But we're really trying to focus on the people who are sidelining on the court, who are talking about something completely different. It's something that seems to be important. Right, exactly. So It's definitely different. I do really like the art style, though, of mm-hmm. this show. It, everything's very... Um, angular i guess you could it's a lot sharper looking yes it's not it's not as round and bubbly you know but from what i can tell it looks a lot like the art style of the manga and that's kind of nice because it's it's a little different i agree i really do like the art style and how sharp it is but i really like when they kind of do like the in-depth expressions and things like that like Mm -hmm. like the whole mood changes and the color of the background changes and it gets like real serious sometimes or funny and it's just I love animes that do that. They kind of just throw in random different, like, yeah. artisticness. Well, this anime in general seems to just like to throw in fun little random things. Mm-hmm. Like, Kageyama and Hinata, their duo rivalry that's going on, you know? Like, mm-hmm. somebody else will be talking in the foreground, and all of a sudden in the background you'll see Kageyama and Hinata, like, racing each other with brooms in the background or something, and it's yeah. like, what? Okay. Okay, yeah, it's just fun. <laughs> like, they're teammates, but they're still rivals. They're always trying to push each other to be better in some way or some form. It's, yeah. It's neat. You just, you always see the characters, mm-hmm. the other characters' personalities popping through in other people's scenes, so it's kind of nice. I, I definitely will keep watching the show. We can look forward to it in a new blog. Soon I will have a nice little blog on the recap of everything that's happened. We've also started watching a new anime since we've got through our 12 episodes of Haikyuu. And because this episode should be airing um, during spring and also during the opening week, s- week of baseball, we decided to watch Ace of Diamonds. We watched, which is a baseball anime. Yeah, which is, if you didn't know by the name, an well, Ace of the Diamond. I mean, it could have been a... <laughs> poker anime you know fair you enough know? fair so, enough i guess it's just because i i'm a baseball clarifying. player i get it but we it's a baseball anime and we watched episodes one through six out of a total of 75 in the first season which is ridiculous and i want to watch <laughs> all of them i think so far these first six episodes has really drawn me in so you can find the show on crunchyroll and hulu as yep. usual usual <laughs> and again i don't know how we keep doing it but we've found another shonen anime right another anime from shonen jump the manga was written and illustrated by yuji terajima and it started in the weekly shonen jumps in 2006 it must have been a very good manga because Mm -hmm. it received two different awards for the best in shonen category it got the shugakukan manga award in 2008 and the kodansha manga award in 2010 that's pretty good for a four-year span to get two different awards for your manga. Yeah, exactly. So, Terajima must be doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of years after they got these awards, in 2013, they started the anime adaptation. Which is what we're currently watching now. The main character of the story is Eijun Sawamura. Another Sawamura. Yes, and again, this is another anime that follows someone from junior high going into high school. So Sadamura is a left-handed pitcher who is invited to go play for a prestigious baseball school, Sado High. Since he's from a very tiny town, mm-hmm. he has these giant dreams of making it to the Nationals and being the ace of the team. Another ace, mm-hmm. which I didn't know was a term that existed before watching <laughs> these two animes. <laughs> yeah, um, very different in terms of being what an ace is. It seems like in Haikyuu, the ace refers to the main spiker of the team. But that doesn't mean he's the captain of the team. So there's an ace and a captain. Right. But in baseball, 
ace refers to a key pitcher of the team, not any other position. And the captain could be either the ace as well or another position. What is not a position player? Someone who just hangs out on the bench, like a manager. Someone what? who has a lot the of ace can be a manager? No, 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 the coach. The oh. coach, the... Um, oh, okay, I was the like, cap- what? The captain could be someone <laughs> other than someone on the field. Oh, okay. That um, still seems strange to me. I feel like a captain should always be on the field with well, the players. I mean, they could be in the dugout there as well. You but never if know. if they're not playing, I don't feel like they should be a captain. Oh, it's okay. One thing to note so far of Salomona is that he has no control over his pitching ability. No, he really doesn't. He doesn't know what he's doing at all. He just kind of picks up the balls and throws them, mm-hmm. and it works for the most part. We kind of first meet Salomona at his middle school, and he's pitching against a junior high team mm-hmm. um, with his friends, basically. Right. His whole team on his middle school is just made up of his friends, and mm-hmm. nobody knows what they're doing because they're just kind of... There. doing it for him basically yeah, exactly but he enjoys playing with them and they enjoy playing with him similar to haiku but a little different because he didn't have to force them to play like they did in haiku right yeah with this one his friends were just like oh you're just really fun to play with and we want to do this for you so let's all play on a team together exactly and also kind of like a, to note baseball is huge in japan and i don't know if this is 100 percent true but in this anime they have these really high-ranking baseball-only type schools. Yeah, I don't know if that's true either. We probably should have looked into that. Probably. But, but they made it seem like, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. how football colleges are here. Yes. They have baseball high schools in Japan, It's apparently. It's basically, it's like a private school. Like, you have the public school system, which has club sports, which is like high school, mm-hmm. but then you have these high-ranking schools, which are private, but they're private baseball schools that mainly focus on pro- um, baseball along yeah. with schooling as a side. Exactly. So, and it's a high school, not a college. Exactly. So it's even more interesting. W- yeah. And, well, with that, it's hard to get into these schools. Mm-hmm. You basically have to be invited. Yeah. Or somehow, if you're lucky to score really, really high and then try to become a walk-on to get into the school. Solomon is very lucky. He's in the small town, like you mentioned, and mm-hmm. he ends up being scouted to possibly come join Sato. He's then stuck with trying to figure out if he wants to go or not because he'll be leaving all of his friends behind. And he always had these dreams of being with his friends forever. So it ends up taking this giant turn on what he should do. Yes, he got scouted because of his talent, which he obviously has no honing ability on because it's all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. But he ends up mainly being scouted because of his personality and right. his potential. Like. He's in this junior high match with his friends, and they're getting crushed. But even though they're getting crushed, he never lets it bring him down. Or the team. Again, a classic Shonen Jump main character, someone who's always happy-go-lucky, doesn't matter the situation, always positive. And the person scouting him at this point was like, I can see a potential ace in this guy because he lifts the spirits of everybody around him. Exactly. He's invited to at least go check out Sato before he decides to join in or not. When he gets to the school, they end up having, like, some sort of trial things going on, and Mm -hmm. people can just kind of jump in and play and see how things are going and stuff like that. Well, he ends up finding this catcher named Miyuki, who brings out his potential as he tries to go up against this really scary and aggressive batter who's just kind of being a jerk with other people. Yes, he's basically a third year, has major potential to go pro as a batter, and he's just, like, wrecking all these people who are throwing him practice pitches and he's like you guys need to challenge me more Salomon takes offense to that because he's like why are you not being a friendly teammate why are you being basically an ass so he teams with Miyuki to kind of face off against him after striking out this jerk of a batter he ends up taking the offer to go Mm -hmm. to the school 
But he ends up being late for his first day. Yes. And he tries to sneak in, and he gets caught by the coach. And things don't go well between mm-hmm. him and the coach in that very first... Interaction. Interaction, yeah. Yeah. So he isn't allowed to play unless he can throw this ball 90 meters away. And it looks like it's basically impossible to do. But yeah. he almost does it. Almost. For that perspective, like, he wants him to throw a ball from home plate to the outfield fence, which the coach does with ease, basically. Yeah. And Solomon doesn't know how to throw the ball straight. Right. He basically throws a curveball. The last second, it curves away from the fence. And, of course, we get a funny expression because he's like, ah, why'd that happen? Because he doesn't understand what he did. Exactly. <laughs> and nobody else, they're like, why'd you throw a curveball? Mm-hmm. Everybody's <laughs> laughing at him like, what an idiot. So then he's stuck having to run for Ever. every practice, <laughs> basically. basically. We also meet his rival pitcher named Furia, who is basically the opposite of Sawamura. Again, another Shonen Jump thing. Mm-hmm. If, we, if you go through the history of Shonen Jumps we've watched, like Naruto, you have <laughs> Naruto and Sasuke complete opposites. And now you look at Haikyuu, you have Hinata and Kageyama complete opposites. And now you have this one, Sawamura and Furia, both opposites. Exactly. Furia is same age, first year pitcher. He's quiet and he's like well honed on his skills. He only throws a fastball at this point, but he throws amazingly hard. So the coach then puts all the first years against the new people who are coming in to see who's going to be allowed to play at the practice games. And Sawamura meets this new guy named Haruichi and he uses a wooden bat. This is quite different, yeah. apparently. I thought that that was the normal thing to do. But... Only in the professionals. Oh. Like major leagues, you use wooden bats. Every other division uses aluminum bats. Okay, see, I didn't know that. <laughs> Basically, because like, in the pros, you're more developed to be able to use the harder tool of the wooden bat. Using the aluminum bat, you're able to swing it faster, harder, and you get more of a pop. Okay, see, the only difference that I knew between wooden bats and aluminum bats was that when you use a wooden bat, you really feel it in your hands. Mm, That's yeah. the only difference that I knew of. <laughs> <laughs> well, Haruichi uses the wooden bat, I think, because he himself wants to be more challenged. Mm-hmm. During the practice match, Furuya pitches the first, I think, inning, maybe the second one, and he does really well. So the coach goes ahead and like gives him a passing grade, and he pulls him out. And, of course, Alamura thinks he's going to be next, and he's not. The coach yeah. chooses other people to pitch. He keeps Sawamura in the field. And they're getting crushed. And everybody gets really demotivated because mm-hmm. they're like, well, why do we bother even play if we haven't scored at all yet? Yeah. And they're at, it's like 5-0 to zero or something. I don't know. By chance, Alamura gets on first base, and this is when Harichi comes into the game. And they basically communicate to each other in front of everybody saying, like, I'm going to score, and I'm going to help you score. Mm-hmm. Trying to motivate, and they do. They end up scoring, and that kind of inspires. Like we were saying, he needs to be, that's what they brought him over here for, is to inspire everybody. The coach sees that Salomon inspired the first years to keep playing, so he actually decides to let him come in and pitch. And he starts off really strong with the mm-hmm. first two batters. He strikes them both out because they can't figure out what he's throwing basically because mm-hmm. because Sawamura doesn't know what he's throwing mm-hmm. but his roommate who's a third year figures it out and he ends up getting this home run off of him mm-hmm. but the roommate knows that if he was off by just a little bit he would have failed just as hard as the other guys yes and there's other third years there watching the game and they kind of go he just had this home run hit off of him yeah he's gonna walk off the mountain and be even more upset because all they've seen is overconfidence from this guy exactly but it's the exact opposite He's laughing. He's had this huge smile on his face like, man, this is what high school baseball is all about. Yeah. 
and he just wants to become even better. He is more motivated than ever before. Mm-hmm. And again, that's again like the classic shonen. You have the guy who gets defeated by something, and instead of it bringing him down, he's more inspired to continuously grow and get better. But I don't know. I feel like I don't connect as well with Sawamura as I do with Hinata. Like, I feel like Hinata is more realistic. He's mm. not just like, oh, well, I can do it anyway, blah, 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 blah. No, instead, he's like, he understands that he has limitations and he has to figure out how to get over them. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sawamura is just like, oh, okay, well, I can do this anyway. And he just goes and, yeah. and does it. And it's like, what? How does, how? You know what I mean? I don't mind that so much. I think because I see it differently than you. You see it as an overconfident, like cocky kind of a guy. Yeah. I don't see it that much. I see him just having a love for the game, an extreme love for the game that he just wants to get out there and wants to play. More than it is, is that he's thinking he's the best out there because he knows he's not the best. And maybe that's just because I associate it with baseball a lot more. Well, I feel like I also connect more with Haikyuu because Haikyuu is more about the characters and the story between them, whereas Ace of Diamond is all just about baseball and the technical aspects of it. It's like they focus on teaching you every little thing about it. And it's cool because I enjoy learning and I'm, I feel like I've learned a lot from just watching these first few episodes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, okay, like... I feel like it's more educational than it is about enjoyment. I can see that being like that for you, but I guess because I know about baseball a lot more, I don't focus on that so much. I just focus on the fun, tense moments of the game and watching the players all develop as a team. Yeah, they are very good at making the moments very Mm -hmm. tense. I prefer, I think, Ace of Diamond over Haikyuu. Though I really like Haikyuu, but I I think I just my natural affinity for the love of baseball far outweighs the funness of Haikyuu. I used to want to play baseball when I was younger, mm-hmm. but I never was able to. <laughs> so I just kind of would play in my backyard by myself. Well, I actually played baseball through uh, high school and a little bit of college. I wish I could still play today, but unfortunately I don't. Well, watching the anime did make us go get our mitts and some balls mm-hmm. and start playing, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully, I think I'm going to attempt to join an adult baseball league because I found some around where we live. Overall, though, I, I will definitely love to continue watching the show. I think even more so than just the next six episodes that we're going to watch for the show. Well, there is a second season that started just last April. With 75 episodes in that first season, you have quite a bit of ways. <laughs> well, I, I, love, I love being able to come into animes a little later because you kind of get to spam watch it. It's like going on Netflix and finding a show and watching yeah. the whole season. No, I like that too because then so, you don't have to wait. Wait every week for another episode. I'm looking forward to being able to just spam watch, I think, Ace of Diamonds. Well, as we've said before, it is the start of baseball season. We wanted to talk a little bit about how baseball made its way to Japan and how it's such a big thing there. Baseball here in America started in 1845 by a guy named Alexander Cartwright who wanted to formalize a list of rules so that all the teams could play and play the same way. Mm -hmm. And in 1871, the very first professional baseball league was born. That's crazy. 1871. That's a long time ago. It is. Right after the first professional league was born, one year later in 1872, an American English teacher named Horace Wilson went to Japan and introduced it to everybody over there. The Japanese started to get recognition professionally when Shoriki's club matched against an American all-star team. And this American all-star team really was an all-star team. It had Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig on it, as well as other people. Yes. 
And you should know who Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig is. And not even just for baseball. One of them is known for Lou Gehrig's disease. So well, <laughs> you either know about it from baseball or you know about it from the disease. One of the two. Yeah, that's not the best way to recognize somebody. No, <laughs> it's not the best way to recognize it. But, I mean, if you don't know him for baseball, you should at least know him for one reason or another. Yeah. The first Japanese professional league was formed in 1936 which is like 60 years, but they made their professional league. Mm -hmm. And it actually grew so much bigger that in 1950, they divided it up into two divisions, and it's now known as Nippon Professional Baseball. And just like American Baseball, the Major League Baseball Association has two divisions as well, the NL versus the AL. They did the same thing for Nippon Professional Baseball, so a lot of similarities there. But while the rules are essentially the same, there's some technical elements that differ. And it's probably better for me because they use a smaller baseball, they have a smaller strike zone, and a smaller playing field. And with how accurate you throw, it definitely, I think, works in your favor. (laughs) Well, we'll see when they contact me, I guess. (laughs) Um. (laughs) If you're looking for a left-handed pitcher, Japan, go ahead and give me a call. I would love to move there, so I definitely wouldn't mind them requiring you as a left-handed pitcher. Some other things that vary are game length and the fact that they allow ties. In the regular season, it's limited to 12 innings a game, and in the playoffs, it's 15 innings. Probably did that because of what happened here. In 1984, a game between the Chicago White Sox and the Milwaukee Brewers lasted 8 hours and 6 minutes because of extra innings. It went to 25 innings. Which is crazy because that's almost three times longer than a normal baseball game. Yeah, I don't know if I could sit there for eight hours. And one other thing I think differs, here in America in the MLB, there's no limit to how many foreign players you can have on a team. But in Japan, you're only allowed to have four foreign players on the 25-man roster. And not only that, but they can't all be the same position. Yeah, you either can't, you can't have four foreign pitchers or four foreign fielders. It has to be a mixture of both. While we were in Japan, I know I really wanted to see a game, but unfortunately we weren't able to. We saw part of a game on TV. Yes. And it was just so lively and everybody Mm -hmm. was, there was just so much energy that it was like, yeah, we we should go check it out. It's a lot of fun. The stadium itself, like we went to check out the Tokyo Stadium, it's nice. Um, The Tokyo Dome. The Tokyo Dome. The Dome. It had a lot of attractions around it as well. Yeah, they had um, like a little mini theme park in there and mm-hmm. some shopping centers and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. It gave you things to do instead of just going to the stadium. Yeah, kind of bring more income to it when it's not using it for an actual game. Mm-hmm. It, they at least make it a family day. It was It's very fun. In Japan, they take baseball very seriously, and it's kind of neat to see all the batting cages they also had around there. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, everywhere. They yeah, had just the batting cages you could yeah. just go play at. They had them, they even had them at the bowling alley. Yes. Like, they were like, oh, here, you want to do some of this? Go ahead. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was neat, though, because I remember those batting cages at the bowling alley. They weren't just, like, a machine that threw you a ball. It was a wall with the different, like, pitchers of the Tokyo's team. Yeah. And, like they would throw a ball coming out of like where their usual release point was like so it was like different angles and stuff like that it was really right. kind of cool they were holograms you yeah. could say you know yeah. or well they weren't holograms but they were just on a video screen pitching to you which was awesome yeah cuz you would see their different styles and stuff mm-hmm. like that and, and like, it would tell you which pitcher it was mhm i can't remember if they had different movements based on the different pitchers though it might have honestly i think they did it was it was quite fun but you know kind of getting off of baseball and the spring season we took a trip to go check out some cherry blossom trees. We did. 
We drove three hours to get to Ohio University because they have 200 cherry blossom trees on campus that were given as gifts from Japan. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see them in full bloom because like where we are now, we were having like a good week or so where we were having like mid 60s, 70 weather on and off. So we thought, oh, this would be a perfect weekend to go. They're going to be in bloom there. It was the exact opposite. I think because it was more inland, it was a lot colder. It yeah. was like 35 degrees when we got there it at like 7 freezing. o'clock. It was and so cold. Because of that, only about 30% of the trees were in bloom. Yeah. Well, they weren't even in full bloom. Some of the trees had a lot of blossoms on them, and some of them still were only in buds. We got to see enough, though. There was plenty to see. Yeah. But it just wasn't... It would have been awesome to see them all in full full bloom. bloom. Yeah. You know, and actually, it was kind of funny, because when we were there, the trees are actually right next to the baseball stadium. Yeah. And there was a game happening. (laughs) We didn't go watch the game. No. But I thought that was just a funny coincidence. We were going to talk about baseball. It's baseball season. Sakura trees all in one. Maybe that's why (laughs) they put them there. Maybe. The trees were gifted by Chubu University in Nagoya, which is a sister university to Ohio. They even have exchange programs between the two universities. They have students and teachers come back and forth since the mm-hmm. 1970s. I didn't really hear a whole lot about like exchanges between like universities in California, which I thought would have been more so because of it being such a multicultural like state. And we actually have Japan towns there. There, exactly. So you would have thought, but... And just kind of show, like, how strong of a connection these two had, like we had kind of stated earlier, these trees were given to Ohio University for the 175th anniversary of Ohio University in 1979. Right. So if that was 175th anniversary in 1979, that dates them back to, like, the 1800s. It's almost as old as baseball. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. I think I was reading they just updated it back in, like, 2002 or 3, renewing their connections with each other. They also have a Japanese Students Association, which throws a Sakura festival on campus. It, it was on one of the days that we have to go to work, so mm-hmm. we unfortunately could not attend, but we would have liked to. They were going to have food and traditional stuff to look at, and it would have been fun. It would have been fun. But, you know, another fun connection. Cats like trees and trees like cats. So you've been playing a cat game lately, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, I re-downloaded Neko Atsume, which is also known as Kitty Collector. It's a Japanese mobile game for the iOS and Android. It was released back in October of 2014, and it was surprisingly popular when it came out. So popular you downloaded it twice. I well, yeah, but I mean <laughs> I the first time I didn't I had to get rid of it because I didn't understand the finer points of the game. Mm-hmm. Um because it was all in Japanese. So, I figured out the basics, but mm-hmm. I just I couldn't figure out how to get more currency. So I was like, I don't know how to continue on because I've spent everything I had. In October of 2015, the app was updated into English and was added so you can switch between the two languages, and that's kind of what got you back into it. Yeah, exactly. I saw some screenshots, and I saw that they were in English, so I was like, oh, well, I can play this again. So I downloaded it again to give it another shot. Mm -hmm. What's funny to me is the fact that this game is so popular. Even the developer, Yutaka Takasaki, said, to be honest, I don't know why this game is so popular. (laughs) It's described as a just-look-and-enjoy style of game for people who just like cats. It only takes two to three weeks to complete, and you don't need to have any microtransactions either. And it does seem like a very simple game, but at the same time, it seems 
addictive for whatever reason. Like, you want to check your phone to see if you got cats. Yeah, so it's very easy to play. All you do is you have um, some fish, that's your currency, Mm -hmm. and you use it to purchase cat food and other little goodies to leave in your yard. So you just put those things in your yard, and then you check out your yard every once in a while and see if any cats have come to visit. It seems so far my favorite thing about the game is you can put a box in your yard and you see cats like dive in head first and so you just (laughs) see their tails wiggling and their like little butts sticking out. It's kind of funny. Yeah. You don't actually see them dive in. You just see their little butts sticking out. (laughs) I wish you did. And then you take pictures of the cats in your yard and you add them to like the albums. It's kind of like collecting Mm -hmm. Pokemon in a sense. So you try to fill up your Pokedex to see all the different cats that you've got. It's awesome. When you had originally downloaded it back in like May, June, it had achieved about 4 million downloads. Now that you've re-downloaded it again, it's over 10 million. I added quite a bit of downloads. Yeah, you did. (laughs) You really did. It's received an award from the C-Deck, or otherwise known as the C-E-D-E-C. We don't really know which... They got an award. It's one of those. Yeah, for best game design. Which is pretty impressive. Very much so for how simple the game is. It was also listed in the top five mobile games by GameSpot in January of this year. So that's also pretty good for them. Again, a very simplistic game that's gotten two awards and has bajillions of downloads. That's pretty cool. I've had the game for about six days, and I've have had visits from 12 different cats, but I've only seen 10 of them. So... It's pretty fun because you just, you know, you try to check in and get pictures of these new cats mm-hmm. and see what they look like. and It's not very time-oriented by any means. You just no. Gotta, if you have a chance, pop in, see if you have any new cats to take a photo of. It's, yeah. It seems fun. A couple minutes at yeah. max, you know. It's just something to do. I don't necessarily see myself downloading it, but I will probably continue watching you take photos. <laughs> You'll watch me play. And... On watching things play, Nintendo came out with an app for a mobile game, finally. They did. It's their very first one. They're supposed to have, I think, four mm. that, that come out this year. Tomo. It's a free-to-use social media app, and it's already been released in Japan and has over a million users. Which is not surprising, because no. it's Nintendo and it's Japan. And so. Japan's <laughs> very mobile-oriented when it comes to games. Exactly. They're supposed to have international release by the end of March, but... We're recording this now in March, and it's the 26th, so they they only have a couple of days. They better come out with it soon. Right. It's similar to Tomodachi Life. You make a me avatar, have an apartment, and go out and make friends. It even links to your Facebook and Twitter accounts to help you find real-life friends to socialize with. And you earn coins for new clothes and accessories to change up your Mii's look by playing mini games. Mm-hmm. So it's not like... I mean, there is little things to do aside from just talking to people. Yes. You were telling me that you had a favorite thing that you saw about the app. Yeah. From the commercial, I really like the idea of me Photo. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you take real-life photos like with Instagram or whatever, but you can place your me into it and share it through your social media. So it's like your me was actually there and not you. It's awesome. I thought so. I mean, I think it would be fun to share things like that. There's something that Nintendo desperately needs to fix. Yes. We saw a video, and there's no language filter yet So that's kind of bad, considering that Nintendo's supposed to be like the family-friendly entertainment system. And of course, you know, the fact that there is no language filter was immediately found out because people are trolls, and (laughs) they try to type in the worst things possible. There's no boundaries whatsoever. So the way it works is you type in your responses to questions, and your me reads them out loud in like this really cool computer robot voice which i really like but um it it says everything you type 
So, you know, they really mm-hmm. need to fix that before it comes out. Maybe that's why it's not out internationally yet. Because they're trying, trying to figure fix out it. how to get rid of that. Well, I'm sure we'll find out soon when we get it. You're pre-registered for it, right? I am, yeah. I just signed up for it a few days ago because I realized I hadn't done it yet. <laughs> and, I mean, you get some benefits for pre-registering. Um, it's not exactly defined what you get. No, you get a bunch of coins and mm. I think some extra accessories. Okay. But you, it's not like anything you can't live without. Yeah. So you pre-registered. I haven't. So when we do download these apps, we'll kind of give you guys a, a play-by-play on what you do and don't get for being pre-registered versus not being pre-registered. Yeah. And I'm um, sure oh. you hear about it soon. Yeah, hopefully it comes out quickly because I yes. want to play. Speaking of fun things to take photos with, I would have loved to have taken a photo with Station Master Tama. <laughs> yes. If you don't know who Station Master Tama is, she was a cat who ran the Kishi train station in Japan. She was fed by passengers and the station manager. And so eventually she just never left. Yeah, she started living at the station. Yeah. And the railway on that line ended up trying to cut a bunch of costs because they were having financial issues. Mm -hmm. So they basically took out all of the employees except for the station masters. Then, a year later, they actually named Tama the station master because she was just always there. Mm -hmm. She was greeting people and catching mice and whatever, so they made those her official duties. (laughs) They gave her an official hat and a never-ending supply of food. That's a pretty sweet job. It is, I want a hat and a never-ending supply of food. Yep. A study estimated that the publicity of Tama's job contributed to over 1 billion yen to the local economy. And the station stayed open. It pretty much <laughs> just saved that train station. That's she did. insane. Good job, Tava. Way to go. Another few years later, she was promoted to super station master in a ceremony that included the company's president and mayor. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. That's, that's really impressive yeah, for Kat. Yeah, really um, That's awesome. And with this promotion, she got a new office that even had a litter box inside of it. Her office was a converted ticket booth. Which is really cool. That's, I think that's a really creative. good idea. Yeah. yeah. She then got another promotion to operating officer because she helped increase customers so much, making her the first cat to become an executive of a railroad. I'm pretty sure it's the first job that's ever had an executive executive cat anywhere. Yeah, most likely. Like, Um, that's really impressive. It's really impressive. Unfortunately, Tama passed in 2012... And they honored her with the full Shinto-style funeral. Which is super nice. That's awesome. It is. There was a ton of people there. Everybody loved Tama. They would, you know, always make sure to say hi to her at the station and whatever. So well-respected. I believe she's also going to be remembered with the statue. Aw, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Keeping on with the tradition of Japan hiring animals. Yes. (laughs) Which seems to be very useful? No. Which seems to be something they do quite often. We found a dog, or... Google found a dog yes. that works at a locksmith shop in Japan. His name is Jakun the Second. The Second. So I don't know if there was a first <laughs> or if they just thought having him be a second was awesome. Well, with my old dog, mm-hmm. his he was a third, but we didn't have two before him. So he's probably just Jakun the Second for fun reasons. Um, he has complete control over the door. Um, I think being that it's a locksmith shop, they gave him like a special key that has a sensor that opens and closes the door. Because he has complete control over the door, he's kind of like the guard while also letting people in and out of the store. When I said Google found him, it's because Street View actually took pictures of him taking a pee break on the side outside of the building. You know, which is kind of, <laughs> that's just like really random. Google happened to be driving by doing their normal photos and they caught Jacoon on a break going right? pee. 
So people were commenting, of course, mm-hmm. Google's ruining his hustle. <laughs> One of my favorite ones is that you can't pee without Google watching you. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was like, he's peeing on his workplace. It's every employee's dream. <laughs> There's another dog known as Shiba, which is a Shiba Inu, that worked at the Suzuki Tobacco Shop in Tokyo. Shiba opens the store window and greets customers who wants to buy snacks or cigarettes. People would come from all over the place to come see her, and they would take YouTube videos and post them on the internet and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And the store got a ton of attention thanks to her. I remember you showed me videos a while back. Yeah, there was a BuzzFeed about it. Yeah, that's what it was. And, but ultimately, that store ended up closing at the end of October last year. Oh. So, Shiba is now retired and living happily eating cucumbers. <laughs> cucumbers? Yeah, for some reason, <laughs> she loves eating cucumbers. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> It's the exact opposite of cats. Yeah. Um, this isn't anything animal related, but it's just kind of like a, a meme on Japan, like what the heck's going on. They created a life-size Sanji statue from One Piece. Which is cool. It's very cool, but he's a charger, basically. Which is weird. Yeah. And they, um, they, they took it from a scene within the anime where he's on his hands and knees, bowing his head to the floor, thanking his mentor chef. And so basically what you do is you plug the cord into the wall and it plugs into his butt, which is how they charge him. Because that makes sense. And then you <laughs> plug in your USB cord, which is in his head, and you plug that into your phone or whatever other USB charging device you have. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily have any idea where we would put him if we had had him here. Because he's, he's life-size, that's huge. Yeah. You, don't really, you have to have a lot of room for a charger like that. They offered him as a giveaway. So some they created him as a prize for something. for something. And to be honest, I don't know if I would have wanted to win. Yeah, like- <laughs> really. I'm sure a lot of people in Japan do, though, because One Piece is huge there. It was huge when we were there in 2011, and I'm sure it's probably just as big now. Well, yeah, but it's just so so out there. It's like, I could see wanting a statue, mm-hmm. but a statue of him bowing, and then a statue that's a charger like why i would just rather plug into the wall you know like because you, you have to plug him into the wall to act as the charger in the first place so he's oh, just i mean you just charge him up he's portable so you can like have him as a oh. passenger in your car and plug in your phone then they should have had him sitting that would have been cooler yeah or like probably. or with his knees up or something yeah you know it was like I mean? a hood ornament or something yeah well that's a hood ornament that'd be dangerous because you can't see around the life-size sanji charger <laughs> a life-size hood ornament yeah that's <laughs> No, you know what they could have done? They mm. could have had him so that way he holds on to the roof of your car <laughs> while you're driving, you know? So he's got like, yeah, like he's trying to not fly off. That would be hilarious. That would be cooler. Um, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it took him, it took them three months to make him and it reportedly cost as much as a nice car. That's just, that's just weird. It, all that said, that's insane. It to spend really that is. much money, that much time to just give it away. Well, to just make him a charger. Yeah. Like, what? Why? <laughs> Again, it's just because Japan's crazy. Yeah. And they have super love for things like anime. Pretty much. I'm not hating. I'm not yeah. hating either, but... I'm not mad at it. Nope. <laughs> that about does it for us this week. So make sure to find us at SuperZoyCast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Send us a message at supersugoycast at gmail.com. Don't forget, we also have shirts and other things yep. available for purchasing Yay! at notlg.spreadshirt.com. Lots of fun stuff. Also, check out Night of the Living Geeks at notlg.com and check out some of our other podcasts. Not our podcast, but our friends' podcasts, the site's podcasts. They're all really fun. Podcasts. <laughs> Also, thanks to Alex Broza for our music. We'll put a link down at the bottom if you want to hear more. 
Alrighty, guys. Bye. Living Deep.